following program contains explicit language and subject matter and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello? It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? Welcome back. <clears throat> wow, that was loud. Welcome back. This is episode 49, part two. Part two. Now, if you hadn't heard previously, I uh, released the podcast with the interview with Jody. Now, if you haven't heard part one of episode 49, you need to go back and listen to it. And I'm not going to fill in the blanks, although I am going to talk about it in a minute. But you need to listen to 49 Part 1 to understand 49 Part 2. And it's a pretty deep interview. People would be uh, challenged by it, maybe. The one thing that stands true in all of this is just how remarkable Jody is. As I said, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. So... Let's get into it because time is of the essence. I love saying that. And uh, let's start with this. Good morning. Good morning, love. It's my few things. If you hadn't seen things that I put out on Instagram or Twitter about this interview with Jody, I didn't actually mention her in detail. I let her speak about herself and I sort of held back a little bit uh, in explaining in her intro. Now, if you've listened to it and you understand, Jody is a young lady who was born in Wales uh, educated in Wales as a nurse and has done ex- extensive uh, courses in nursing. And I think actually when we first started talking about this, she's just finished more, I want to say immunisation, but I better check with her, um, advanced courses that she's been doing. She spent a lot of time in Australia. 
and bounced in and out of relationships and she's a young lady with her head screwed on. Like she really knows where she's going. And if you listen to the first one, you'll know that um, my interaction came via Instagram and uh, when she was going through a pregnancy. So I was sort of following her on Instagram. As she her pro uh, her pregnancy progressed. Now in her interview, she'll exactly explain where she's up to, and we jump straight on head on into it right from the very start. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the first part because there's a lot of things that won't make sense. What I do want to say, particularly in regards to this, was I approached Jody. Um, probably about eight months after the fact. I watched everything unfold via Instagram and I approached her eight months and just asked her, didn't know who she was, I've just been a follower and just asked her if she wanted to voice and tell her story. And a credit to her, she jumped at the chance. Now our timing at the start, trying to get it down pat, just didn't click. She was heading back home Christmas time and catching up with her family um, and it just didn't gel. And then it, we did get to do this interview. We had a, an extensive phone call and we, and we talked about a lot of things. And then we got a chance to do this interview and this has just been uh, a delay after delay after delay. But going back and listening to it and understanding – so like I think podcasters miss the fact that sometimes they should put – an interview down or a conversation down and pick it back up again and really understand the depth of what's going on because it, it, it blows my mind. It's, um, I, mean, I, I feel during this interview I was a little bit cautious and I was obviously not wanting to offend and I want to ask her questions but I don't know Jodie well enough. A credit to her, she made it very easy for me. Jodie took the guesswork out of me prompting her in different directions. I think for someone I've never met, we got on quite well. And again, I thank her for her candour and her honesty because the story that she tells as it unfolds from this point on does get a little traumatic. So please, let's jump into it. And um, yeah, you'll get to see if you follow on Instagram you'll get to see who Jodie is and all her links and details are in the show notes. But you'll actually get to see her and you'll get to see Layla. Look, I was in no uh, fit state, to be honest, yeah. to uh, of any kind of, of to have any thought. I was literally very, very sick. Yeah. So I, I didn't even know what was happening. Everything just all happened so fast and was taken out of my hands and my control. Yeah. That I just, just didn't have, you know, it, I just went with it all. Because I was too sick to even fight anything at that point. Yeah. 
Yep. So I was bleeding internally. Um, hence, they obviously had to get the baby out. And I just remember the neonatal doctor turning around and looking at me and saying, she looks, you know, she's so much better now. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, after getting the baby out, it was like, you know, I was... I was in a, I don't know, well, I was in a state of shock, to be honest. Not not the I fact, mean, too, that you had lost a remarkable amount of blood. Uh, yes, in that initial yeah. um, period, yes. Yeah. I was then to go on and lose a lot more. Yeah. But um, in that initial period, yes, I, I had. Um. But, yeah, so at that point, you know, I was left. I had a good group of friends around me at that time. People had started coming in to, to be with me. Yeah. And, of course, um, you had a baby, a little baby girl. Yeah. Called? Layla. Layla. Yeah, beautiful name. Who weighed 555 grams. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Tiny. She's a wee little thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So at this stage, how is your sense and sensibility as to like, I mean, you've got blood loss, you're quite ill, you're giving birth to this tiny little person. How it's not guess it's not no one's jumping for joy and, and jumping around the place because it's you're still really undiagnosed in a lot of ways of what's going on yeah that's right and no you know you know i was just left with the baby for a couple of hours until yeah. she died and you know at that point i had three friends with me um which was nice um three good friends were, were you aware at that stage that Layla wouldn't live? For that she was going to die. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How, how was well, how be, that expressed? I kind of, I, I kind of half wasn't because obviously I'd had that conversation and I wanted them to do something. And obviously, the night before, I was given a steroid injection that hung magnesium up on me. Uh, so I knew at this stage something was going to happen. Yeah. You know, they were preparing me. But then when the event happened, it was all taken out of my control. Yeah. I'd already stated. I mean, they, they said that I had said, it's fine. She can just die on me and that's that. Don't worry. But I was all, I, I don't even remember saying that. And I was high on gas and air at one point. Yeah. And, um, that, you know, they were, sometimes they were monitoring the heartbeat, sometimes they weren't. And, and I was asking these questions. Why, why aren't you? What's happening? What's going on at that stage, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, they just took, took her out, plonked her on me and just waited for her to die. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, at this at this point, I just well, I just knew that that was going to be the case because, to be honest, for her to even have any chance of survival, I should have had an emergency C-section. Yeah, yeah. But that didn't happen. So, 
because it was all just happening too fast, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I still don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so then you had the next several hours together? Yeah, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. And then... And you were pretty much left to your own devices. There wasn't anyone really, like other than your friends that were there, but I mean from the medical staff. Yeah, that's right. And look, you know, at that time as well, I should say, um, Debbie, my best friend, was actually communicating with Tom at this point. Yep, yep. And prior, so he was getting ready to fly down to Sydney. Yep. um, At this point, knowing that she was going to die. So, yeah, so that was it. And then they took her off, took me up to the room. And and then another good friend of mine actually rang me at three o'clock that morning um, from Budapest <laughs> and <laughs> sort of helped me through that first night, to be honest. Yeah. Because I didn't really want to be alone. Oh, because I was in so much shock. And then I woke up the next, and I and I was still so sick. Yeah. Uh, to be to be honest, I just nothing was actually sinking in. Yeah. So at that point, I'd gone into complete shutdown and shock, and I probably stayed like that for a good three months. But at the same time trying to fight that and even my friends they know what type of person I am but they they were like you need to give yourself time and you're not you're frustrated with yourself because you want to feel like you again but you're not allowing yourself time to grieve yeah there's a there's a little this is several things that I, I I wanted to ask you about because I know that on top of um, you just, in my head, how it works is you would think that a nurse would get top quality care because the people that are caring for her are well aware that she knows how the system works, so we're not going to fudge it, right? That's the first thing. Mm. The second thing is that there's a point where they say we have to take her away and... I can't imagine, and and I've and I've thought through this process originally when I wrote down the notes, and now it's only that you've brought it up again that I go, I just can't get my head around what that must feel like. On top of the fact that you're very ill, you've had blood transfusions, and there's going to be well, they I, no, I hadn't had blood transfusions at that time. Oh, okay. Um, I um. Well, they, they offered. I, I could have kept her with me yeah. all night if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to. Yeah. To me, you know, it happened. She was gone. Take her away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then I knew that, you know, they were bringing her back the next day when Tom arrived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a hard day. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they even asked if you wanted to bath her, take her outside. And for me, I'm not that type of person. I, I'd already 
disconnected, if you like. Yeah. Because she's not alive. I'm not going to be taking... I'm not one of these... I'm not a mad person who's going to be taking out a dead baby to a living coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're but, a realist. Um, that's it. Yeah. And I am, yeah. I guess. And so... For me, you know, yep, she's gone. That's it. Um, I just want to move forward now. Yeah. So, so one of the I- the, the um, heartbreaking things that I saw, and and this is where I, your strength, made me think at this stage. Oh, I need to talk to this this woman at some stage. Was a beautiful photo of her laying on you. Yes. And I and I think that's that's something that's that's tattooed in my brain because I think it is. It's it's a it's a beautiful and real uh picture. It captures life, it captures that particular time, you know. Um and that that was I then had no contemplation of what was going on and this wasn't I didn't know until we spoke. Um so there's a mental side, Tom comes You've got to basically go through everything that you went through the day before again. Yep. Um, are you aware of how sick you could possibly be? Not at that point. I mean, I still didn't I didn't feel well, but that's because of everything I'd gone through. Yeah. At that point. And, I mean, look, towards the end of giving birth to her, um, they had a lot of difficulties in removing the placenta. To at what point they snapped the umbilical cord because mm-hmm. they were pulling so much that even my best friend, Debbie, stepped in and said, stop doing what you're doing and give her a break. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which consequently went on and gave me further problems. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I, I just can't contemplate on top of everything that's gone on now and and this is this is not what a regular person does, but this is what I did. When my second birth second child, I was quite pally with the doctor because they're thirteen months apart and when we talked about the placenta, he removed the placenta and said this is what we do and we put it up on the table and we search through it to make sure that it's all there. Intact, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I and I look, I don't know what they did. This is I was so out of it. Yeah, yeah. That honestly, they could have murdered a, de- a cat in front of me, and I wouldn't have even really known what they were doing. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I was because I, I was in total shock. So they they could have been doing anything to me, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that's, yeah. Oh, there's. there's I can't even contemplate a mindset that you would have been in at that stage. Um, Well, you understand the vulnerability of patients now to the point, you know, they're at their sickest and they're putting their life and hope in your hands. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. They're trusting everything you say and do. Yeah. Yeah, it it is a trust very much a trust thing. It's also, um, I I feel that for people that have lived outside of Australia or the UK, where their health systems, uh, like the NHS and Medicare, where they don't have that, 
that like you know people don't go to the doctors because they can't afford to like that's yeah that's just a crazy place and I don't think that people truly understand how how good we've got it yeah that's right um for you at that time okay there's a tragedy that's going on it's trauma it's unlike anything that you see in a workplace because this is now happening to you yeah you're ill how long do they keep you in hospital before they let you go? Um, so I stayed in. I get. I stayed in the night I gave birth, and then I stayed one more night after that. Yeah. And then they discharged me that day. So I gave birth on the Wednesday. They discharged me on the Friday. Okay. Because Tom stayed with me the night on the Thursday. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then he um, took me home on the Friday. Okay. Are you aware at that stage that there's something internally I'm just not feeling it or it's just who knows what's no, going on? No, not at that point. So I, I'd got home um, Friday, wasn't really feeling great and I, and I never sort of recovered in that week. Yeah. Um, and was pretty weak that entire week. Um, I guess it was towards the end of the week that the bleeding wasn't really slowing down and I just thought, what's going on with this? You know, Surely it should be coming to an end now. Um, and then something happened on the Friday night, yeah. The, f- the following and week? I, yeah, the following week. And I was actually bleeding quite a lot at this point. Um, woke up on the Saturday morning. We had planned to go out Saturday night to um, Michael McIntyre concert. Yep. So that was a birthday present for me. Um, and... Um, yeah, I'd gone with Debbie to take the kids swimming that morning to Bondi. Yeah. Um, but I was still feeling very weak and she said to me, Jodie, you're looking really pale. And we got back into the car, the swimming lesson had finished and I was bleeding through my clothes onto the car seat. I said, look, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll go home and I'll just do nothing. And hopefully by tonight I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, she had things to do that day, so she'd gone out for the day, came back, and I was still bleeding a lot. Yeah. Now, to the point she looked at me and said, Jodie, I think you need to go to hospital. Yeah. So for, for the people that aren't aware, and, and, and obviously at the end of childbirth and placenta's removed, there's a bleeding that takes place in a woman and there's a healing process... Yep, that's right. That um, that needs to take place, and it's basically the wall where the placenta has been torn away is healing, and, and and the blood's being removed, the excess blood's being removed. I don't know what I, I can't remember the time frame that normally takes. Well, it can take up to six weeks. Hence, I just thought this was all normal, but instead of it slowing down, it was kind of getting worse. So they said to me, if I was 
blood soaking a sanitary pad more than one an hour, I needed to go to hospital. Yeah. And it was actually becoming that way. I was actually wearing two and it, and it was soaking through two. Yeah, okay. So now um, it's obvious. It's Was it clear to you at that stage? Okay. Yeah, it was. But for me, being me, yeah. I was just so determined to go to this show because I just wanted something good to, yeah, to look forward to, yeah. Yeah. And so it had been arranged. So Debbie's brother and sister-in-law came over to look after the children. And they'd bought me a birthday cake and gift and everything and said, we'll, we'll, we'll have that when you come back. And I said, yeah. And they thought I looked a bit unwell. But I said, oh, look, it'll be fine. Um, Debbie drove, drove us to the venue. And as we were driving, she goes, I don't really think I need to take you to hospital. I said, look, it'll be fine. You know, if after the show I still feel like this, then take me then. Um. We'd obviously got there a bit earlier than um, the show started at 8. So, you know, you always get to these things quite early. So we got there for about 6, 6.30, 6 o'clock. Um, and I just remember going through the barriers where they're scanning you and all of that and getting your tickets. Yeah. And the guy looking at me going, are you okay? <laughs> I must have looked horrific, but, you know, I actually didn't realise how bad I looked till looking back now. Yeah. Um, I actually probably, I looked like Casper the Ghost. Yeah. Um, you would have been a Nemi. Oh, I was beyond that. Yeah. And so we'd gone in to the venue at this point and I just said to her, I'm not feeling too good. I need to sit down. Oh, no, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. I'd gone to the bathroom and yet again changed the pads. It had only been half an hour at this point. I said to her, I need to sit down. Um, can, can you get me some food or water? Because I was not, I was feeling quite lightheaded at this point. Um, and she just kept watching me and worried about me, worrying and worrying, looking and going, I don't think you're going to make it, Jody. I think we've got to go to hospital now. I said, look, let's just try and watch 15 minutes of it at least. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't have made it. Um, and then I looked at her and I knew then and I said, actually, you know what? You're going to have to take me to hospital. I actually, I'm not feeling very well at all. Yeah. Um, and it was at that point I'd stood up, started walking towards to going out and then just collapsed. Yeah. Um, to the point she actually found the um, St. John's Ambulance, luckily. And luckily there was a um, ICU doctor on site at the time. Yeah. So she basically filled them in my story. They'd put me on a stretcher and started pumping me full of fluid at this point, um, a fluid recess. And... Um, obviously got the ambulance and blue lighted me over to RPA. Um, to that point, I was rushed into recess and emergency. Yeah. Um, where they were then just putting blood through me. And then rushed me up to theatre. 
And what was the result of why why you were bleeding? So I'd obviously, um, they'd left products of the placenta still inside me. And caused an infection as well as... Um, well, cause, and, causing, yeah, and, and it, it, was the, it was the bleeding. Yeah, it was still partly there, so hence an open, well, it's an open tract, I guess, isn't it, really? Well, it... it, it is that what I mean? Blood pump to it, but, you know, it was obviously the, the organ wasn't functioning anymore, so. I've lost you. You seem like you're miles away. You there? Oh, yes. Ah, oh, there you go. You're back. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was just, yeah, just until I got rushed to theatre for them to stop it. Yeah. But it obviously all didn't stop there. So literally at this stage, they've got to pump litres of blood back into you because it's gone. Yeah, so they, they'd given me a transfusion. Yep. It had about three units they put through back into me, three or four units. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I was back in hospital again for a week. For the... Um, not savvy, a unit, is that like a, a full bag of blood that you see? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And you had four of those? Three to three or four, yeah. Yeah, okay. And you're in the hospital for a week? Yeah, because so I'd obviously been rushed in and had that emergency um, operation. And then when I came round, they came to see me on the Monday. I'd had that done on the Saturday night, recuperated Sunday. Monday... They came round and said, unfortunately, we've got to take you back to theatre. We didn't get it all. Oh. Mm. God. And they said, and unfortunately, there's risks <clears throat> with this of scarring your uterus and becoming infertile. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, at that point, I just thought, what else could be worse right now? Yeah. And they said, you either go ahead and have that or if you choose not to, you'll go home and the same thing will happen again. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, so I'm not going to go home and wait to bleed to death, am I? Yeah, so. that's right. It's really, it's really, it's not a choice, is it? <laughs> no. Um, so then I, they were preparing me and off I went back to theatre again <sighs> with the thought of, you know, I, I hope they've done a good job and not left me with this scarring. Yeah. Um, so that then I got discharged and I, I can't exactly remember the time frame now, but I don't know, it might've been four weeks or something down the track that I was experiencing an excruciating amount of pain. And so again, they thought I had what was called Asherman's disease, Asherman's syndrome, sorry, which is the scarring. Of the uterus. Okay. Um, and I was obviously praying it was not that, but waiting for that to be diagnosed because, hey, nothing good has happened so far. Why should anything good happen now? It's yeah. all just happening at the moment. Um, but basically what had happened is my uterus was fine. It was my cervix that had all completely scarred shut Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yep. So I was unable to have a period. And so the pain I was feeling was, well, it was there, but it wasn't able to come out. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, that was it. It was completely scarred, fused, shut. So again, in I went again. And they tried to do it as a day procedure. Um, and basically, you know, awake until I was in, I was screaming in pain and said, you need to take me to theater to sort this out. It, it's excruciating. Yeah. So then they booked me in for theater, you know, within that week. And again, off I go to theater for the third general anesthetic in a month. Whatever oh it is. Yeah to go and get that problem rectified to then be told your lining isn't very thick so we're going to put you on HRT, hormone replacement therapy which is medication for women going through the menopause yeah yeah. so you know they put me on that to obviously you know regulate everything and, and sort of hopefully sort of bring my system back in line with production and to produce again so so that was all of last year basically and i think it all ended august probably so from march to august i was going through all of that yep backwards and forwards so it was still at that point because i was going through so much still hadn't even thought about processing or grieving or going through or even thinking about what had happened yeah to the point of obviously prior to all that you know having a funeral and everything as well yeah of which i'm really lucky because you know one of my really good friends who's like my my second mother my only mother really um he just took that out of my hands and and Organised the whole funeral. Yeah. Was I can I, I can only understand that it'd be feel like like that period of time is just like a massive blur as to each day and what went on, particularly coming in and out of the hospital. Um, the the constant, you know, trying to understand what's going on. Why is this reoccurring? Why am I you know, it, it's it's just um, yeah. I I can't imagine what it must have felt like at the time. Now we're getting close to twelve months on, just short of twelve months. How have you processed that? Look at the time; it just felt like a never-ending journey for me. And you know, last year was probably one of the worst years of my life. But um, but going home at Christmas time sort of really helped me process yeah. and sort of um, gave me a new kind of focus for the new year, to be honest. So, I mean, look, going home and spending time with both my sisters and especially the one who's been through the same thing yeah. um, really helped me a lot. Does she so, have... Um 
an understanding like you do. Like you have a, a very not. It's, I don't say it's a medical understanding, but it's a very realistic understanding of something that took place. And yeah, look, she's very different to who I am. She's a very closed person. Doesn't like to discuss things. Um, and doesn't really find it hard to talk about things, finds it hard to empathise, sees things just one one way only. Um, but at the same time, she, she lived the same experience to a degree. Um, you know, different for her in many aspects. She was a lot younger, mm. um, had a husband and was able to try again, you know. Yeah. So... And, and, you know, we even discussed that, the, you know, the desperation of wanting wanting a baby again so soon after. Yeah. Which I, I'd obviously, I went through that phase, but obviously mentally, but obviously physically I was <laughs> nowhere near ready to even think about that. Yeah. Um, and obviously looking back now, you know, that definitely not, I, I, my, my body wouldn't have been able to cope. Um, but yeah, so, and, and I guess for her, it just triggered her and she relived her experience again. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was good going home, um, and just, and being with both my sisters and, you know, and just sort of coming, coming back into this year with a sort of new outlook and new focus and, you know. Like you learn a lot, I guess, when you go through something like that. And you just have to take the good out of a bad situation. I hundred percent. Hundred percent. And and so from from my perspective, um, and why it resonated with me is that uh several years ago now my sister um was pregnant with twins and um she went eight ten weeks early and um after 10 days one of the twins passed away she will hear this at some stage and um i never knew as her older brother the right way or the right thing to say and i'm i'm very much cut and dry and sometimes i'm i'm too much for people they're just like fuck this guy's got no He's got no um, filter. Like this is so. When it came to my sister, there's a whole different animal because I absolutely adore her. Of the three of us, I've got a younger brother as well. I think that she's the smartest, but she's very internally enclosed, and I mm. and she doesn't. And I, I I think that she's still um, grieving, and I think she will for a long forever. But. Um, she's had another one since and she's got two little girls and, and they're a handful. And um, But that resonated with me was your strength and your ability and I think that it's really – I feel that it's really important that you tell this story because I don't even know you as a friend or like it's purely been via Instagram but your story was so powerful and the way that you went about it and then when we spoke there's so much – it's not just – well, lost a baby, there was sickness, there was infection, there was, you know, we've, we've got to fix you internally, we've got to then give you this and, you know, in the hope that you're going to be able to um, have a baby again. And, and it's for people that have come through it unscathed or people that are now considering having children. I mean, these are the things we don't get told about. It's not, 
it's I don't think that we're highly educated on what could actually happen until it happens. There's you know schools that you go to 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 do and learn about things, but they like it, it it's all like fluffy stuff. It's not the the real cutting to the core. Mm. Um, I also know now that you're you want people to know about this so and and you're you know i don't say like it's your driven thing but it's you're not sitting back on your hands and going woe is me you're now kicking ass and going right well i've got to move on with the next part of my life um i i admire that i am truly in awe of um what you experienced and what i'm watching now and i see um, through uh, your Instagram and, and and how you're going, you're you're rebuilding yourself mentally from the inside out, and and um, yeah, I'm again, I'm, I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but I feel that it is a, a truly uh, remarkable story to tell. What does the new year and the new decade mean for you now that you've had to, and, and it has been can only imagine the hardest 12 months of your life well just living life i think and not taking things for granted it's funny actually you you know obviously in my line of work you come across a variety of people and one that stands out who i met not that long ago is a 91 year old female or what got me chatting actually is she it was she shared the same birthday as layla Yep. So her birthday was March the 6th. And I said to her, oh, it's your birthday coming up. And she was turning 91. And she looked at me and she said, yes, it is. And I expect to make it too, <laughs> in yeah. a very adamant way. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, so tell me, I said, what, what's been the, the best years of your life? And she said to me, well, dear, all of them, because I love life. Yeah. And we got chatting a little bit more about this and I started asking her a bit more about her life and and she stated she's got these two sons because I'd met one of her sons and so forth. And I said, oh, how many children do you have? She goes, I did have three. She goes, my eldest daughter died when she was four. I went, oh. And so... We got chatting about that. And she goes, and you know, she'll always stay with me and it's something you never, ever get over, my dear. She goes, but at the end of the day, she goes, you learn to appreciate the good parts that are within the bad parts of life. She goes, life can't always be perfect, but you need to learn to take out the good. And she goes, and I truly believe that life only throws at you what you can handle yeah and and just her she was just so positive and i just thought and here she is 91 and she's still determined with life yeah because she hasn't taken it for granted and she's just enjoyed it for what it was yeah and i guess i'll be doing the same do you and and I'm I don't go down the religious path because I'm an atheist in 
in so many ways. But do you think that in life we uh, meet these people for a reason? Look, I kind of believe that in many ways and, and sliding doors and things like that, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it has anything to do with religion more so probably being a little bit spiritual. Yeah. Um but yes, and uh, no, I, I yeah, I guess in some ways. Um, but I'm such a people person anyway, and you know, if somebody wants to stop and have a chat, and you know, and I, I, you know, if I find someone interesting, I like to find out about them, who they are, why are they the way they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I've come across so many interesting people in my line of work as you would do um but yeah but what what this lady sort of said sort of really sat well with me because really that that's me at the moment yeah yeah and you know just at the end of the day and i I know they always say you know there's always someone worse off than you and and there is but you know what you feel is pain another person might not um and and so forth but you know i i guess yeah i've come back to this year and 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 started to rebuild myself yeah so and again you know even with relationships and and everything so that's saying goodbye to the people who were not positive in my life and they were just takers for their own well-being of their own self and need so even females Oh, really? I got rid of Yep. Yeah. Just the takers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even I had been friends with one particular girl, um, a slightly older than me. Again, finding it hard was wanting to find someone and, and have a baby and da-da-da, but, you know, she, she's got 45 and it's probably not going to happen. Um, and... She, when, when all of this happened to me, and it was sort of not long after, like not even a week, she's calling me, and all she wants to do is talk about herself. At which point, I'm in no frame of mind to be listening to minor trivial, yeah, nonsense. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I just came to realise you're somebody that I don't want in my life any longer because it's all about you. And it always has been about you. And there was another friend, uh, a similar sort of thing. Again, just used to ring up to talk about herself. So I just got to the point where I thought, well, I don't need these people in my life because that's not what life is about. And I actually usually surround myself by givers because I'm a giver in life. Yeah, it can be very draining that they don't recognise, and it's a shame. Mm. But it's um, and and then and they they're the people that actually end up gaslighting others because they then go back and say, well, you know, you're not there for me, and I'm the one that, and it's like, fuck, well, give it a rest. Sometimes they're full of their own importance. Well, they are, and then you tend to look at, at their their life around them and the way they live their life and what true friendships they actually have and again 
they probably don't have real solid true friendship because they don't know how to to give back. Yeah, yeah. So you know those types of people just you know they're just not not meant to be around me. Yeah, and as you make transitions in life, the um, importance of uh, things that are important to you might not have been when you're in your twenties, might not be when mm. you're thirties, and now there's that 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 um that difference, and you and you've got to find your own way. Um, I think that you've probably done more soul searching than most people I know in the last twelve months. Oh, absolutely, yep, definitely. So you're feeling good yeah. about going into the the new this this decade. Well, hopefully, you know, I mean, I do have another year left until I'm 40, so I'm going to make the most of that year. <laughs> you know it's only a number, don't you? I know it's only just a number, but still, um, you know, I'm still making the most of this this one last year. Um, so I'm hoping it's going to be a good year. That's what are you going to do different for. that you haven't done in the last 38 years? Look again. I'm just not. I, I'm not entertaining. I'm not entertaining people, if you like, that, that have just done nothing but take for their own self. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to stand up for myself a little bit more, you know. And so we'll we'll hold on. Actually, why should I give everything of me to you when you give nothing of you to me? Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, and I value my really true, good friendships that I do have. You know, I always have done, always will do. Yeah. I, I think um, I think there's something to be said when you've got friends that have lasted the time frame that you have um, coming from a, another country completely and forging these relationships. And since you've been here, you've still got them. I think that says something about both of you, like the people that have those relationships. Well, absolutely. And look, I'm, I'm still really good friends with people back in the UK too. And, uh, you know, my, my best friend that I made in Guernsey, who lives in Switzerland, I'm godmother to her eldest son, and I'm still really good friends with her to the point that, you know, I went out and saw her in 2014, so I'm due for another visit. But every time her and I catch up, it's like I only saw her yesterday. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I'm very thankful for those friendships I have in my life, and I, and I feel very lucky to have them. Because a lot of people don't. Yeah, they don't. But they, it's deserved. Like it's it's obviously for a reason, you know. Well, look, this is true, to be honest. And and even when you're looking for a partner, that's one thing I actually look at now. Because if they don't have good friends or family connections, then there, there's problems. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had a friend when she was um, reorganizing her life and what she was going to do. She asked uh, potential partners a series of questions that like sh- that was important to her, and and some of them took offence. I was like, "Why do you want to know this question and that?" But you know what? She worked out there's a lot of shit out there, and mm. she alienated the shit, and she found the right guy. As it turns out, it was one of the old high school boyfriends that they reconnected. Um, and they're now happily married and, and, you know, getting on with their life. But it was 
the people around it were offended by, why is she asking that? Why? And I, now I look at it and go, yeah, it only makes sense. So. Well, this is it. And you just don't know what's around that corner in life. And, and I've come to realise and learn as well that it doesn't matter how much you plan. So, again, I'm very against the question, and obviously coming from a management background, what's your five-year plan? I really hate that question. Mm. I don't I don't like that question because, to be honest, what, what's tomorrow for any of us? Yeah. You know, it's like you're expected to put forward this plan or what you see as a vision of the next five years. When well, what does it even mean? Because to be honest, it, it never happens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, my my argument when it talks about the planning thing is that I'm not the person I was when I was twenty or thirty or forty. Like it, it's a constant shifting. Um, cause well, because you're constantly evolving and you're constantly growing. Yeah. Some are. Some aren't. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true too. But I'm now realizing that I'm outgrowing long-term friends that I've had because our lives are different and they're, you know, in a, a different capacity and I've got to now be willing to let that go to be a better person, I guess better for within myself. Like it's, yeah, I've never had any problem being me. It's it's yeah. It's about others around. Are they going to fit into what's important to me or not? So, so you yeah, I agree with you, and I think um, again, finding somebody that kind of matches you, and all my good friends have said the same thing. Is yeah, because I am kind of an alpha female. Yeah, um, is finding a very strong, you know, dominating man or a man who just knows what he wants. You know, knows yeah. who he is, knows what he wants. But unfortunately, I don't. I don't. I have never attracted that type, and I've always attracted the type that don't know who they are and don't know what they want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, a know, hard, so. it's a hard gig. It all comes down to timing, I'm told. <laughs> it's the you know, but but on a on a note about children, and and you're still. The, the, on the the happy side of thir- of forty, um, I never and I, 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 it's not about me. I'm making it about my sister, I guess. We sort of, yeah. You know, my brother and I both had families and had kids, and and we'd sort of thought, well, Christy's never going to have kids. She's never going to get married. That's just, and she's a very independent and keeps to herself. And she, you know, she enjoyed traveling and she had strong friendships and. Um, she uh, moved to Africa, uh, got a job as a tour guide and, and uh, for several years and then she ended up working in a resort and uh, and then she met someone purely out of the blue, which mm. were like, you know, my sister hadn't even been camping before. Like she was just so not white privilege but just, you know, so vanilla and she went, yeah, I'm moving to Africa and um, – and now she's, you know, happily married and, and she never had a first until she was 40. So oh, okay. don't um, never say never. That's one thing. And, and as I said, Christy is a very private person. She's not been in and out of relationships or life. She's just gone, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is 
her and I are close, but total opposites. Like it just, I'm 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 the loud one, and she's the quiet one. Um, and my brother's sort of a mixture of both. But we just presumed it would, well, not going to happen. And um, yeah, yeah, she's got two kids, so. Well, I, I think my, both my sisters feel that about me. They're hopeful, but they think deep down that it probably won't. Um, and look, at, at, at the end of the day, you know, everything that I've gone through, you know, I am still fertile, I think. I don't know. Um, haven't tried. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, yeah, never say never. And look, I'm not. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, you just got to learn to live life with what's dealt and just, you know, learn to walk a different path. Yeah. Well, I hope that you um, – I hope you get what you're looking for. That's that's the best way to describe it because it's, you know, your evolution in the last 12 months and, and how you've developed um, – is your personal journey uh, is a remarkable one, and I, I just hope that you find what it is that you're that you're after, and you know whether you become a mum again or um, you don't, you know, uh, as long as you don't have to go through trauma or, or be that you know in in your life. I don't think anyone, no one signs up for it. I'm not really good at doing this. I've just realised. I'm going to have to edit, edit some of that out because that just sounds horrible. Um, yeah, but I do, I do, I do wish you the best because I, I think that you're, you unknowingly are going to help a lot of other people just through what you've gone through. Well, look, I mean, even like, look, I this year, for example, you know, city to surf, so I'm going to run or walk, should I say? It depends how fit I get between now and then. For um, the Premature Babies Foundation. Beautiful. Okay. Which, gonna, I'll mention that in the show notes, and I'll when it gets closer, um, we'll uh, we'll mention that that you, that's what you're going to be running for. Yeah. You're a runner. You'll run 14 kilometres. No, I'm not a runner. I'm a sprinter, so I find long distance quite difficult. But still, it's the taking part and raising for a, a cause that. Yeah. Uh, is well deserved in my eyes. So yeah, hundred percent. And actually, it is um, one of the most remarkable uh, fun runs. I don't know what they call them, fun runs, because it's not fun. Um, no, it's not. I've done it once before. Yeah, I did it when it was I was agonizing. fourteen, and I thought, and there's no way I ran all the way. I walked. This is when you didn't walk. I'm pretty sure I walked a long, long way, um, and it was. Yeah, it it but the atmosphere and the people now it now it's fully acceptable to walk and it can actually just be a really good day. Well, look, that's it, and so you know the the cause, the Premature Babies Foundation, it was actually set up by a woman called Sophie Smith mm-hmm. who uh, lost her three premature sons, triplet sons, oh, and sure. sort of all one after. And I've read her book, and it it kind of really helped me. Yeah. Um, and she lost her three boys. She's from Sydney. Yeah. Um, and she's got an, a, a massive amount of strength herself. She already had two boys, um, but lost these three triplets sort of in stages. So 
one lived for a short time, one lived for a bit longer, and the other one was a little bit more hopeful but still didn't make it. Um, And tragically, not long after that, she then lost her husband to brain cancer. So reading her story, and and I just not long sent her an email, and she actually sent me a very nice email back knowing it was coming up to a year and knowing what I'll be going through. Um, but so yes, she, you know, she makes, you, you wear the, the singlets and, and her name will be on the back of mine. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and, and it is a fundraising, um, part of it. Like you were actually be raising funds yes. at the same time. Okay. A- absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, we're, de- I'll definitely be sponsoring you. That's without no question. I, um. Yeah, because actually reading all about it and, and since she started it up um, 12 years ago or I think it was about 12 years ago or whatever, you know, she's raised over 2.5 million and helping thousands of premature babies actually survive. Yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? And and again, they always need money for research because it's not a... They it, do, absolutely, because sometimes they just don't know what is causing... Or why things are happening, or yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's just giving these tiny babies a chance that they probably wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Excellent. I once again want to thank you for your time because I know. Firstly, I know what's coming up to twelve months. Um, That's correct. And it's you. Uh, an amazing woman. You, the way that you handle it is is fantastic, and I am am very proud and and honoured that you um, have given me time to talk about this and and to put that out there because I think that um I think that hopefully that there's going to be people that hear this are going to resonate with it are going to actually um gain some understanding. Um, well, I'm, and and just know that you know. There's still hope and there's still life after, you know. Yeah. There is, and and you and you've got to keep living. Well, look, that's right. And even in your darkest moments, in your darkest days, you know, you still have to find that part in you that there is still hope. Yeah. Yeah. I I and I don't say this lightly, and I'm not um, putting it onto men but I think this is why women can have babies and, and men because I don't think men are capable of, of um, dealing with things like this I truly don't think that the the science in our brain that is difference between a man and a woman can cope with what women go through women just have women just have this ability to be able to get on mm. and I think men would dwell too much so I think that um do you feel personally, I have to ask you this question, do you feel the last 12 months, although it's been traumatic, has has made you a different and stronger person? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 110%. Yeah. Yeah, massively. And, I mean, even though, you know, last year even, you know, my vulnerability was taken advantage of in many ways, um, you know, again, that and, and, and looking back, you know, and growing from that even, you know, to know the types of people out there that could take such advantage of a vulnerable person, you know, yeah. is just shameful. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, I can look back at that now and just realize I'm, I'm not, not the same person and I never will be, you know, I'm different. I, um, you know, it's like, it's like having a flower that was once growing blue petals. Now I'm growing pink, if you like. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm still that same flower, but I'm a different color. You're still flourishing, just uh, with a, a few uh, changes. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, how is a man going to break down your mental toughness to um, reveal your soft side again? Well, I have to be very patient. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't have patience, then they're not worth having around. No. No. Because they just want something quick, you know. So, again, you know, trust as well is not something that's just given on yeah. a plate. So it's all about trusting that person. Because once I trust someone, I open up massively. Yeah, yeah. But because I haven't met anyone that's really given me the time to trust and open up, it's just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Because they just want what they want and that's it. And not taking in anything else from anyone else in consideration. No. Fucking selfish, it really is. I, I, and I, I'm not saying all men are like that. I'm not saying all women are like that. There's a mixture of both. But it's the mentality of just, you know. Look, it, they're not. And, and I've I've come to realize as well and you know some of them just feed you anything that or anything you want to hear yeah or knowing what you're going through you know a man who's had a vasectomy telling me that they'll they're you know they're open to having children again i mean really just really (laughs) please whatever i can tell you actually that i do know of a guy who had a reversal Mm. and it worked it worked look i'm sure this does happen, but for someone of my time and my age yeah. and everything I've gone through, yeah. I just don't have the time to believe somebody in saying that and then for them to turn around 18 months later and say, see you later. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just no. Yeah, and and it's that, and it's like you say, that you've got to earn trust, but you've got to get to that period where you're like you know there's going to be more than ah, uh, yeah, this doesn't work for me anymore, 18 months, two years down the track, it's like, well, you've just engulfed two years of my life. I could have been spending it somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, I do understand that. So, again, it is all about trust. And look, and I, you know, a good friend of mine, you know, she went through some awful relationships and she actually met somebody when she was in her mid to late 40s and, um, and he was a um, widower, and he um, he had all the patience in the world with her. And even now, you know, they've been together years, yeah. And they're, and they're married, but she still has problems with trust. But he's so patient, yeah, and yeah. loves her so much that he's willing. You know, he he knows this of her. So there are those right people out there that if, you know what I mean, they, they understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that song, 
which really resonates with me by Kelly Clarkson mm. um, called, uh, what's it called? Beautifully Broken or something. Basically, you know, yes, you might be broken, but you don't need fixing because you're still beautiful. Okay. So at the end of the day, that is what someone has got to see. I don't need fixing. Yeah. I don't want fixing. Yes, I might be broken, but I'm still me. See, now I wouldn't say that, say that you're broken. I'd say that you've experienced a very testing time and coming out the other side. That's how I would look at it. I um I don't think you're broken because broken people don't don't put their lives back on together like you have. Broken people revel in the um in 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 the the sadness or the um you know the, the feeling miserable. You know? Mm. And there's a lot of people out there that that never get past stuff and they can't get past because they don't. That's why I say I don't think you're broken. But I think I think you'll you'll meet someone. I think it's all about timing. That's what I truly believe. And, and, oh yeah. You know. When I'm 85 and looking at my nursing home, so it's, it's a possibility. You just don't know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> they have indeed. And actually, if you know anything, nursing homes are very promiscuous places. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've met people who have uh, met their have met partners at the age of 90. So yeah, you know. You just never know. I think you'll do all right before then. <laughs> um, I do want to thank you again, and um, it, it's it's been an honour and a pleasure. It really has. It's uh, I, I can't imagine that it's an easy story to tell. And, no, but um, you know, thank you very much for giving me the time to tell it because no, no. you know there's probably a lot of people out there going through something similar and uh, not even knowing where to start picking up the pieces. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think that you've got a lot to offer um, those people as well as, you know, rebuilding what you're doing. Yes. So I also know that you need to be studying for an exam. I know. That's exactly right. I've got to start doing that. Not that I really want to, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thanks again. I'll chop it and edit it towards the end, but I won't. won't Okay. This bit. But I. It'll probably take me a couple of weeks because I really I don't want to just put um, no, yeah, that's fine. Something out there, um, and it'll probably be towards the end of the month, the start of March. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I will let you know when I do it. Um, okay. I I'm not apologising for what's happened in the last twelve months of your life, but I really take stock of of what you've gone through, and I think you are a remarkable woman, and that any man that is lucky enough to come in, into your life would be crazy not to treat you the right way. So just hold out for the right one. Don't just don't deal with the shit that's out there. Cause I know there's some dirt, there's dirt bags out there. Well, look, that's it. And, and I think I've come to realize as well that, you know, I'm just, yeah, I, I look, I know what I want and, and I just want to meet somebody who knows what they want too. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't say it in this. But recently, 
there was a quote a friend of mine said about, you know, giving someone time that's going to give you the time sort of thing. In, yeah. in my world, in my history of relationships um, from the time I was sort of like teenager, there's only really been a few that have stuck out as to I, it was never hard work to do anything for that person. It mm. was when you're in love, it just flows. Like it's not, it's not hard work. It's not – you don't have to consider. And they say, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. Even if you don't want to do it, yeah, okay, that's what you want to do. That's what we'll do. Like that's the – um, and for me, getting back to that has, is the hard part, is to finding that again. Mm. So um, it shouldn't be hard work. No, it shouldn't. It should just flow, you know. This is the person I'm invested in. This is the one I want to spend my life with, you know. So and um, I think it was something you pointed out about social media where we're all out there and you're um, – not that we're all shopping for something better, but we're, we're all got more than one card on the table and, it, and it's that are we really investing in one or not? And uh, it wasn't until you said that it really pointed it out to me today and I thought, yeah, this is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not giving one person everything we've got because we're sort of keeping more irons in the fire. That concludes our interview with Jody. I sort of hijacked the end of it and I've actually edited a bit out because I um, meandered off into another thing. I could talk to her for hours. I, I invited her on to hear her story and I learnt a lot from her. Um, primarily when we, got, we talked about dating, we talked about giving people, you know, 100% and and really focusing on other people in our lives. And there was a lot of light bulb moments for me. I hope that the idea of bringing this story to people is that you understand the positivity and the drive of this woman. Um, She impresses me. I think she's a great catch. She's an intelligent woman. She's very attractive and she's got an agenda as to what she wants in a relationship in life and just to be happy. But I also want to point out something that I learnt from our conversation and a song that she pointed out to me. And I think that I'm, I I believe I'm an empathetic person. I've got an understanding and I love people. And Jodie, I didn't feel pity for, I've never pitied her. I'm very understanding of the situation and this was my involvement too, as I mentioned previously in, in the interview. My sister uh, lost a, a twin. She had twins and she lost one of the, the twins. And little boy, um, Caleb, who's, who's passed, and little girl Jasmine lives on today. And she was fortunate because she had twins. And when I got this discussion from Jodie, I didn't feel pity. I felt sadness for her. And there was something that she pointed out with her strength and, and, and that's in the song called Broken and Beautiful and I'd never heard it before 
Uh, and she said, yeah, you, you might want to have a listen to this because I always look for a track to have. And I'm going to play it. But basically what it says is that, yeah, I am broken and it's beautiful because it's part of life. And ever since she's pointed that out, it's just stuck in my brain that some days we all have bad times, we all have go through bad situations in our lives. But it's what it becomes of us and what it makes us is what how we come out the other side. And I know for a fact that Jared, like anyone else, has tough times and you know, different days and good days and bad days and it's a constant fight. But I will say I'm extremely, extremely honoured to be able to have her tell her story on my podcast and to put it out there for people to listen to. I do hope that people listen to it and really get something from it. As I said, I... Um, I've learnt so much um, and also I need to practice on a few of my empathetic responses because I felt, I, I mean, I'm, I'm locked in but I just don't, I was really worried about fucking it up. That's the truth of the matter. So again, maybe we'll check in with her down the track. I'm going to release some pictures of her so, she knows, so you know who she is and her details and if this is actually giving you some awareness. Also, you know, she's running with Premies is, is, is on Instagram. But if this is giving you some awareness and you feel like reaching out, just send her a message and go, yeah, hey, I listened to your interview. And, uh, yeah, I feel you. I know where you're at. So I can tell you I've learned a lot and this is what she's introduced me to. I'm very lucky for uh, having this on it, having her time.
Sometimes things just hit the mark and uh, I think that was spot on. Yeah, I love it. It's, um, as I said, I, I, I've, I've taken that on board and learnt from Jodie. Okay. Wow. That's, that's just finished me off, I think. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to a Guerrilla Radio podcast. I hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to. Remember, you can find all Guerrilla Radio podcasts on all good podcast catches and maybe some bad ones. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Guerrilla Radio Australia and Twitter on Guerrilla underscore KMAC. Don't forget the website, guerrillaradio.com.au for all other information and thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you, Randy. Goodbye. Bye now. Goodbye. Fucking try.